This is Supernatural Breakthrough with Mike Signorelli every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, a new episode drops. So the unseen realm, ancient wisdom, and your freedom awaits in this episode. Let's jump right in. Today in this teaching, I'm going to give you every single thing the Bible says about fasting. You've wondered, should I fast? What could happen or would happen if I fasted? And how can I step into the next level in my walk with Christ? There's a lot of bad teaching about fasting, which is why I'm doing this teaching right now. And I want you to stick around for the entire duration of this teaching because you never know which part of it that is going to unlock you into the next level. Let's talk about fasting. I don't want to waste any of your time, so we're going to jump right in. Fasting is not explicitly commanded in Scripture. Many Christians are shocked to discover this, but we do not have the same command that Islam has. So in Islam, you have an explicit command, you have to fast. But in, uh, in, the, in the Bible, if you read all 66 books of the Bible that come together to make the Bible, you will never see an explicit command to fast. Although it's not required You do have the language of Jesus that says, not if you fast, but when you fast, don't fast like these people, the Pharisees, right, who want to be seen. So there is an expectation that you will fast, even though there is not an explicit command to fast. If that's something new to you right now, hit that thumbs up and give me an amen. Because I think people need to understand that it is expected that you fast. Matter of fact, Jesus says, when you fast, not if. But there is no explicit command to fast, okay? There is an expectation, but not a command. I hope this is helping you. Many people, every single time it turns January, will start off the new year, but you know, as a Christian, by saying, I need to fast. At the same time that it's not explicitly commanded, the Bible presents fasting as something that's good, it's profitable, it's beneficial, and it's expected. So I want to take you first to Acts chapter 13, verse 2. Acts chapter 13, verse 2 says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Hey, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So fasting, number one, you can write this down in your notes, has always been connected to serious decisions. If you find that you are full of chaos and you are full of confusion, but you need clarity, you need to consider fasting for that decision. Acts chapter 13, verse 2, new covenant biblical fasting has always been connected to making important decisions. Acts chapter 13, verse 2, they were fasting and then they were worshiping. And what happened was the Holy Spirit responded with direction. Can you receive direction from the Holy Spirit without fasting? Absolutely. But sometimes if you're not receiving a clear resounding word from the Lord and what I call a rhema word, a word that's specifically tailored to your life, not a logos, not, not just, oh, I'm, I'm, re- I'm opening the Bible and reading the word, but rather I need a word for me, God. Like I need this thing to become apl- applicable to my situation. You need to consider fasting. Okay, now I want to look at chapter 14 of the book of Acts, verse 23. And when they had appointed elders 
for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Okay, so number one, follow me through this teaching because I'm going to go through every single, this is the end all be all teaching on fasting in one teaching. I'm going to do it all. And so I I know that you've got a lot of questions. That's why you got to stay with me. I'm going to literally do it all. Number two, position being installed in leadership has also been connected, new covenant fasting, right? It's been connected uh, to, to abstaining from food. We're going to talk about the different kinds of fast, but it says they were praying and they were fasting and then they committed leaders, which they were appointed elders. So if you're trying to figure out where do I fit? How do I get an appointment from God? How do I get established by God? I, I feel like I'm out of position or maybe you're in leadership and you've got to hire somebody. You've got to uh, maybe elevate somebody. You've got to install somebody. How many times, how many times has somebody been put in position without fasting? It was a good idea, but it was not God's idea because it didn't flow from the place of fasting. Come on, I'm going to pick up the pace. If this is helping, I need you to drop a comment right now and talk to me a little bit about how this is helping you. Just drop a comment right now. Luke chapter 2, verse 37. And then as a widow, until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. So there's this connection of fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. Luke chapter two, verse 37 says, hey, there's a widow and until she was 84 years old, she didn't depart from the temple. She's worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Chapter five of the book of Luke, verse 33. And they said to him, the disciples of John fast often and they offer prayers. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. Okay, so there's always been an intimate and very important connection between fasting and prayer. Too often, the the focus on fasting is abstaining from food, but not the emphasis on the increase of prayer. Oh, come on, smash that thumbs up right now. Just give me an amen. We have focused too much on abstaining from food. The reason why I'm starting this teaching with the emphasis on prayer is because prayer caused the apostles to get a word from the Holy Spirit about a teaming together of people who they should be joined with and a direction they should go. Prayer and fasting also gave them access to information about people that should be put in leadership as elders. And then you see the prayer and the fasting of disciples, the prayer and the fasting of a widow woman. And so if you're watching this video right now exclusively because you want me to tell you how you how in which ways you can biblically abstain from food, or if you're doing it to like lose weight, you've already missed the wrong You've already missed the wrong emphasis of new covenant fasting. And this is why I want to say, it's like, hey, I'm not going to eat because I'm going to have more time to spend with my father and he's going to give me information that becomes instructions for direction. And so I want to start there because yes, we're going to talk about the Daniel fast, dry fasting, water only fasting. We're going to talk about those different types. But if you're doing this to lose weight, you're doing it for the wrong reason, You'll gain back. Matter of fact, most scientists will tell you that you will probably end up 
eating calories in surplus and you'll gain more weight. So that's the wrong motivation. If you're doing this, um, here's the other thing. If you're going to do a fast to twist the arm of God and try to manipulate him to get what you want, you are also doing this for the wrong reason. So I want to emphasize fasting, producing prayer that produces power. Woo. Okay. Although fasting in scripture is almost always fasting from food, there are other ways to fast. So anything given up temporarily in order to focus all of our attention on God can be considered a fast. Pastor Mike, what's your scriptural basis for what you said? Because I've heard, maybe you're watching right now and you're like, well, I've heard people say, well, you know, like it has to be water only. It has to be a dry fast where there's no water, no food. It has to be a Daniel fast. No, listen, first Corinthians chapter seven, verses one through five. Let me read it to you. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man to not, or good for a man to, to not to have sexual relations with a woman, verse two, but because of the temptations to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and his own, uh, his own wife and the, each woman, her own husband. Okay. And the, and this is what it says. Just follow me here. The husband should give to his wife her, uh, her rights and likewise the wife to her husband. Verse four, for the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his body. His wife does. But number five, do not deprive one another except by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you for your lack of self-control. So I'm just trying to give you a level of depth that I do not see in these teachings about fasting. It talks about it. See, in this context of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 through 5, they are not abstaining from food. Come on, they are not abstaining from food and water. They are actually abstaining from sexual intimacy as a form of a fast to devote themselves entirely and exclusively to God for that time as a form of a fast. And then it says, but don't let that time go by too long that you may be drawn away to other temptations, come back together. So people who tell you, oh, a fast is only fasting from food and water, only the Daniel fast, those are only, fast. no, no, there, you'd have to cut 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse one through five out of your Bible and delete it. And you cannot do that. There was an abstaining in marriage from sexual intimacy. Why? Because we are going to do what? We are going to emphasize the connection between, um, between a, a, to like, uh, how do I put this in the, in the most PG way I can? Um, I am not going to have sexual intimacy with my spouse. I'm going to take a time to be alone with Jesus and um, it is going to be a total and, and complete obligation with him. So by taking your eyes off the things of the world, you can more successfully turn your attention to Jesus. Come on, I'm going to say it again. 
by taking your eyes off of sexual intimacy, even with your spouse, by taking your eyes off of food and where you get your food from and how you prepare your food to take it to work and all that. By taking your attention off of that, you can more successfully turn your attention to Christ. And what do you get for doing that? You get clarity instead of chaos. You get confirmation instead of chaos. You get information for direction instead of chaos. You get intimacy with God that breeds and produces a next level in your life because he'll tell you who to be in relationship. Hey, Paul, put Paul and Barnabas together, join them together. Some of you have made decisions about who to partner with in business without a fast first. Some of you have made decisions about how to go, who to go into ministry with without fasting first. And you will get information that becomes impartation that produces direction when you fast first. All right, now we're ready for the next and final part of this teaching because I'm gonna go even deeper now. Usually, like, hey, if you're still with me and if you got this far in the video, you might as well go all the way because what you're telling me is you're hungry to learn. You're telling me that you want to go to the next level. You're telling me, hey, I'm different. I'm not one of those gummy bear Christians that just wants to sit idly on the bench. I want to be activated. I want to be a man or a woman of God, and I want to go to the next level. If that's you, I want you to just drop in the chat right now. I'm ready to go. Somebody tell me I'm ready to go because I'm going to show you the greats, the legends in scripture that have gone before you and they have become an example of how their faith and their fasting actually rocked a nation. So if you want to go, if you want me to go through this, because I'm telling you, I'm about to go there right now and you got this far, I want to see you in the chat. Come on, look at the chat just lighting up. Look at the chat right now, just straight up lighting up. Because fasting is something that we can't just let Islam be the only one that corners the market on fasting. We, we can't let intermittent fasting and the, uh, you know, the, the keto, come on, the gurus of that realm be the only ones that corners the market on fasting. We can't let Hinduism be the only one that shows the, the, the reality to fasting. As a matter of fact, there are incredible physical benefits to fasting. And, and the world has accessed that right now I am in an extended fast, which is ketosis, which means my body is no longer burning glucose. It's actually burning fat and fat is a better fuel than glucose, which is sugar. And um, the ketones in my brain are giving a mental biological clarity. The world is beginning to see that. And that is the, the what I'm experiencing right now. I'm actually two weeks in and I don't feel hunger like I used to feel feel hungry and I'm breaking my dependence on glucose and sugar. And that makes me an elite army uh, member of the body of Christ because I'm not going to let the fast food networks, I'm going to not, I'm not going to let the junk, junk food networks control me. Like the Bible says, be mastered by nothing. So I'm not going to be mastered by uh, multinational food corporations anymore. 
So we know this. So fasting is a lifestyle, not a momentary experience. It's not, if for me, I, I, I fast all the time. There's other pastors and ministers that I actually fast with. That's why Jesus said, hey, not if you fast, but when fast, to, you know, do it like this. So I'm going to begin to break this down. We're going to get very specific about the times and the ways to fast. And we're also, and I'm going to tell you whether you're diabetic, hello, whether you're young, old, whether you work a manual labor job, you can fast. It's a lifestyle. And I'm going to teach you that. Come on. So uh, let's go. Let's go there. Come on. Let's jump in. Let's, okay, usually fasting in the Bible is abstaining from, from food for a certain period of time. So there are different types of fasting in the Bible. However, not all of them involve food, but we're going to specifically talk about that. Many people in the Bible who've gone before you, Moses, David, and Daniel in the Old Testament, and then Anna, Paul, and Jesus Christ in the New Testament, and many important figures in Christianity attested to the value of fasting. And, and, and I'm telling you, you're going to tap into this and go into your next level. Fasting is often closely linked to repentance as we have in the example of David in the nation of Israel. So if you are trying to break a repeated pattern of sin in your life, I dare you to do it with a fast. If you can't get free from a repeated cycle of sin, connect it, okay? Here's another one. Fasting is also related to passionate prayer as in the example of King Jehoshaphat and Queen Esther. If you want to get Queen Esther's results, everybody's like, I want to be an Esther. Passionately pray like, pray like her and fast. Biblical fasting comes from a humble heart and seeking God. Okay. So John, uh, Isaiah chapter 58 says, the people complained when God did not recognize the religious action, but God did respond to their fasting. Uh, that it did had responded that their fasting had only been half-hearted. And so there's hypocritical fasting resulting in quarreling, contention, and uh, pretense, excluding the possibility of genuine uh, prayer to God. What am I talking about? Fasting consists more than just an outward ritual. Don't mock repentance. Don't do, don't do this because you feel like you have to. Isaiah chapter 58, it's like God was saying, listen, don't, don't be a Pharisee. Don't be a religious, oh, I've got to do this because my church announced it. Let it be genuine from the heart because the weird thing about fasting is you can abstain from food but not abstain from sin. You can abstain from food but not abstain from pride. You can abstain from food and not abstain from um, arrogance and religion, the religious spirit. So it goes deeper, okay? So, the, so it's not just food, um, it's, let me go a little bit deeper. So Judah's King Jehoshaphat called, he called for the entire country to actually fast. You see this in second Chronicles chapter 20, verse three, then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all of Judah. 
and the Lord defeated their enemies and the men of Judah blessed the Lord. You see that in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20 through 20, 24 through 27. Let me read this. When Judah uh, came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked towards the horde and behold, there were dead bodies laying on the ground. None of them escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to, the, to take their spoil, they found among them all this great spoil. So King Jehoshaphat said, we are going to abstain from all food, both solid and liquid, except for water. So this is the first kind of fast that I want to break down for you. And I want to tell you the results biblically of these kinds of fasts. So we are not going to eat any food, both solid and liquid. So there's nothing going in the blender. Come on, y'all. I know you. some of you are putting a steak in a blender, calling it a fast. Get out of here with that. It, we are we are going to abstain from both solid and liquid except for water. So this is what would be called a water-only fast. And you see that with Judah's King Jehoshaphat. What were the results of this kind of fast? Well, the Lord destroyed their enemies for them. The mighty men showed up. The work was already done. So if you have something in your life that seems like a significant significant army against you. The odds are against you. You don't know how you're going to make it. I would encourage you to, to literally fast water only, like a Jehoshaphat type of fast, and let the Lord defeat what you cannot defeat. So if you have things in your life that you're like, Pastor Mike, I just can't seem to fight this thing on my own and defeat it. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. Uh, you know, how I would do that. Now, let's talk about durations of time before we move on. I know this teaching has been so good, but I wanted to pause for a second because I want to connect with you. Go to MikeSignorelli.com. Tell me your story. Check out all these resources I have available for you. And would you consider financially partnering? It's because people say, I'm going to join my finances with this podcast that we're able to reach so many people around the world. And I'll tell you this, we are good good soil to sow into. So I'll see you at MikeSignorelli.com and thank you so much for your financial gift. Okay, let's jump back in. How long do you fast? I would encourage you, even if you could fast one meal, for some of you, that's going to be incredibly difficult. If you're going to do a water only, what if you just started with baby steps? Because most of you are probably so glucose dependent that that's going to be very hard. You need a snack or a meal every hour to every two hours or more. And for many of you, just start with one meal. And, and the easiest one is oftentimes breakfast. And then you start at lunch and that, and you just say, okay, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fast breakfast. I'm going to do water only. And then I'll eat my first meal. Cause some of you guys like the reason why you haven't ever been successful in fasting is because you are trying to, to, to go too long and you're just destroying yourself. So, or maybe you just say, I'm going to eat a big, good breakfast and then skip lunch and then eat dinner. And I'm going to try to break that glucose dependence because there's so much connected to that. And in the American Western diet, and maybe then you say, oh man, I can go um, breakfast and then lunch. And then I can go breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Then I can go two days, three days, four days. You can graduate levels of fasting. Let me pick up the pace here. Are you still with me? Come on, just hit the thumbs up if you're still with me, or maybe drop a comment. Let's go. Now, there's another type of biblical fasting, and that's called a partial fast. 
Theologically, it's, it's, it's referred to as a partial fast. This is the Daniel fast. So I'm going in phases. Daniel spent three weeks fasting from certain foods. Daniel chapter 10. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was released to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar, right? And the word was true, and it was, uh, and it was a great conflict, and he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. So if you need a word from God, if you need to understand, if you need strategy, see how the like different fasts are connected to different outcomes. It may be for you a Daniel fast is what you need to do. So it says in, in uh, first Daniel, or I'm sorry, first Daniel, get out of here. There's no first Daniel. I got a lot of notes for you today. In Daniel chapter 10, the prophet says, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine. Hello, touched my lips and I was used and I used no lotions at all until three weeks were over. This is Daniel 10, two and three. I, I, and so for some of you, it's, it's a Daniel fast. Now let me explain the importance of a Daniel fast. Daniel was in the king's courts so he had access to surplus. He had access to choice meats. So this was an anti-consumeristic fast. This was an anti-indulgence. Um, like this was, the best way I can help you understand this is Daniel's fast was him saying, I, ha- I have access to a lot of food, so I'm choosing a little. So if you're the kind of person, it's like, man, I always have more than enough in my cupboards. I always have enough in the refrigerator. Um, I always have enough. This type of fast is you saying I'm anti-over-consuming. In other words, I'm going to show that my trust is not in wealth. My trust is not in the the abundance that I can produce or is, is around me. And there's something very powerful to that. So if you need clarity, you need a decision, you need a prophetic direction the Daniel fast. So let's talk a little bit more specific about it. He did it for three weeks and it's a little bit easier to do a Daniel fast, but you got to be careful because there are amino acids that you get from meat. And if you take only vegetables in, you may be lacking in essential amino acids. So I've seen people supplement. So they do a Daniel fast, which is only vegetables. You've also got to be careful too, because you can add in fruits and fruits are oftentimes high in sugar content. And, you know, you can be deficient depending on the duration of the the Daniel fast. So even if you're going to do uh, the Daniel fast, you've got to be careful. You may need to supplement with different essential amino acids or vitamin support so you don't go extended periods of time and you be and you lack in something. So, for example, you might need an, a protein alternative. So you take pea protein and, you know, from a pea, you know, like the, the if you look it up, there's pea proteins and, you know, you're taking in proteins and sometimes people even like take chickpeas or they'll, they'll cross, they'll basically create a menu on a Daniel fast where the, the, the types of proteins that come together still produce for you an actual, uh, um, a, a diet that's sustainable because you got to be very careful with this. And when, when you go on a Daniel fast and it's an extended fast, you may experience, yeah, nutritional yeast is great. 
Uh, I'll, a lot of times I'll take nutritional yeast, I'll take pre-proteins, and you got to be concerned about that. And when you talk about taking supplements during a Daniel fast, it, again, Daniel even said, and I think I want, I want to show you the wisdom of this. He said, I ate no choice food, no meat or wine. So he wasn't just, a lot of people look at the Daniel fast too simplistically. And so he wasn't just abstaining from meat. He was abstaining from wine, which he had access to. He was abstaining from, and he even says, and even lotions at all. So there was something about, there was something about, um, the, this, this, uh, the intentionality of the Daniel fast that you, it's not just, I ate vegetables. A lot of people who talk about the Daniel fast are like, yeah, I just, I just steamed vegetables for a, a week or two. No, Daniel said I, there were lotions I abstained from. There were, uh, there was choice wine and meats I abstained from. So don't think about it too simplistically. What he was actually doing was saying, I am going to abstain, oh, this is a revelation. I am going to abstain from the best of what the world offers so that I can receive the best of what God offers through wisdom and strategy. And my wisdom, the wisdom that I receive is gonna come from God, not from me eating meats and, and wines and, lo and, and putting lotions on my body. In other words, what he was saying was, I'm not going to trust in God's best or I'm in the world's best, but rather God's best. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. So for you, and again, the reason why I'm saying this, and then we're going to go on to a, a couple different examples of, of uh, fasting, but we're talking specifically about the Daniel fast is you can, you can steam all your vegetables. You can supplement with, you know, the different proteins that we talked about, but in your heart, your intentionality is not calibrated correctly and it does not have the benefit for you. And yet you can go on the Daniel fast and you can have the vegetables and you can have pea proteins and, you know, you can supplement with, you know, the different proteins that we had, but your intentionality is right. And you're saying, God, I'm doing this because I believe that these vegetables are not giving the answer. These vegetables are not doing, I'm doing this because I'm pushing aside the choice meats. I'm pushing aside those other things, knowing that God, during this fast, I'm making more time to be with you. I'm making more time to hear from you. And I'm trusting not in these things, but I'm trusting in you. Is this good? Is this helping you? Is this helping you understand the Daniel fast? Because anybody who tells you, okay, just follow these simple ingredients, those ingredients may help you during your fast to, to, to be an extended time of fasting to make more time for God, but they will not, none of the plans you've ever downloaded or the books you've read from any other pastors have, have a, been able to, to actually change your intentionality. That's the thing that at the end of the day, you can do the Daniel fast exactly like they told you to and eat every single thing that they told you you have permission to eat. And I'm doing that air quotes, but don't dial in your intentionality and your motivation for why you're doing it. And you will not get the result that Daniel got. Oh, this is good. Okay. Let's go on to the next type of fast. So we went through Jehoshaphat. I just want to recap for those of you, come on, that are with me. We talked about Jehoshaphat and what kind of fast was that? Je King Jehoshaphat called a water-only fast. Queen Esther, more likely the same. 
That was for God to defeat enemies that they themselves could not defeat on their own. Water only fast. Then we just talked about a Daniel fast. Three weeks, not just abstaining from choice meats, but also wine and even lotions, which is what I would call those a partial fast because you're just eliminating things and that is showing God that your, your actual trust and hope is not in those things. Then lastly, I want to talk about an absolute fast. Absolute fast or the full fast. That's where there's no food or water is consumed. When Esther discovered the plan that all the Jews were going to be killed, she, she most likely had uh, the Jews uh, fast from food and water for three days before she entered the king's court. Let me read this scripture to you. Esther chapter four, verse 16. Go gather all the Jews uh, to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, uh, though it be against the law. And if I die, I die. Now, this is real deal. Oftentimes what you see is a full fast, is a short duration of time with a great level of importance. Do you hear me? So look at this. Fasting with water may be a longer duration of time. Daniel fasting, which is partial fasting, maybe just vegetables. He went three weeks. But this fast, a total fast, is a fast uh, for, for a, it's got to be a short period of time because human beings will die without water. So I do not advise anybody to fast for extended periods of time with only, uh, with a full fast. You will hurt yourself. Some of you do even need to go back to your doctor after this teaching um, because this does not replace medical advice and you need to talk about what kind of fast there is. We'll talk about at the end of the video, which fast is best for you and how to choose that. So in the, in the case of Esther, there is an absolute, absolute fast, absolute fast. And what were the results of it? I'll tell you straight up, the saving of a nation. I'm going to give you one last example of an absolute fast. It's found in Saul's conversion. So you have this murderous Saul. He encountered Jesus in his glory on the road to Damascus. For three days, he was blind and he did not eat or drink anything. So Acts chapter nine, verse nine talks about this miraculous transformational experience where Saul went from a murderer to the greatest apostle. Immediately following the time of blindness and fasting, so everybody talks about Paul's blindness. They don't talk about he was fasting from water and food for also three days. Now notice the connection. It's three days. Um, it's three days for Esther and it was three days for, Paul, uh, for Saul, who we know as Paul. And there was an absolute, but listen, the intensity was so high. It was three days without water, three days without food. But what was on the other side of Esther's absolute fast, the saving of a nation? What was on the other side of, of Saul's absolute fast? It was raising up as the greatest possible and spreading the kingdom throughout the entire world. And I want to say this because in the cases of Esther and Saul, the absolute fast only lasted three days, but it was an incredible result. 
So as we end this teaching, the Bible also mentions a sexual fast, although not by that name. And I gave you the scripture in 1 Corinthians 7, 5, but Exodus 19, 15, it says this, and he said to the people, uh, be ready for the third day and do not go near a woman. So let's end this teaching like this. I want you to understand that there is no explicit command to fast, but there is an expectation that you will. If you've been wondering why your Christian life has not gone to the next level and you're praying and you're reading your Bible and you're going to church, it's time to, to fast. What kind of fast is best for you is going to be determined by the outcome that you're desiring. You want Joseph, King Jehoshaphat's outcome of something that cannot be destroyed being destroyed by God and God Almighty? Go on a water-only fast. You want the outcome of Daniel, where Daniel was simply praying, God, I need a prophetic word. I need strategy. I need to know which next step to take. Then go on a partial fast. Fast something partially. Maybe it's, it's, it is a vegetable uh, fast. Go on a partial fast. But if you say this is extreme, th th right now, th I, I, this is life or death, Right now, I, 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 I need something. This is emergency threat level midnight. Go on a three-day full abstaining from everything, including water fast. So how do you choose? The biggest encouragement that I can give you is be led by the Holy Spirit because it's about the intentionality of your heart. There's another way that I've taught people to understand fasting is that you fast so that the bride begins to long for the bridegroom and remove all distractions and any barrier between you two. And you say, I'm not fasting for salvation because the cross declares that I am forgiven and I am free. The blood of Jesus washes me clean. I, I cannot replace the sacrifice of the cross with my sacrifice of food. That's so good. Come on, this is rich. Uh, tell me in the comments right now if you're learning something. You cannot replace the sacrifice of the cross with the sacrifice of food. You don't fast for freedom. You fast from a place of freedom. You don't fast for deliverance. You fast because you are free through Christ, but you are, you are getting increasing measures of glory, increasing measures of freedom and sanctification and things that you used to struggle with are beginning to melt off of you things that are you that things that you used to struggle with you're going come on it's deeper you're you're not and a lot of people say well I'm gonna fast in hopes that God gives me this thing no you fast because he's good and you fast because every selfish desire dies in that place of fasting and if he gives you the baby that you're praying for he's good but if he doesn't you end that fast by saying he's still good if he cures and solves that cancer and gives you a medically verifiable miracle at the other end of that fast, he's good. But if he doesn't and you die, you know that the dead in Christ rise first. You're going to be rejoined with a new body and he's good. Selfishness dies in fasting so that the answer he gives you on the other side of that fast helps you understand that he's good. He's good. He's good. And nobody will tell you that. Because the Pentecostals and the Charismatics taught you to pray and fast to manipulate God. 
But what happens is you die when you fast. You die to self. You die from your dumb thinking. You die from your immature opinions. You die to self. And then whatever answer comes on the other side of the fast, you're okay with it. Well, we are coming to the end of yet another incredible time together every Monday, every Wednesday and Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I am posting a new podcast so that you can be equipped and learn and grow. And you know, if you got this far, you may want additional mentorship and you may want to connect with me on a deeper level, which is why I have the Breakthrough Community. If you visit MikeSignorelli.com or BreakthroughTeaching.com, you can become a monthly financial partner for $27 a month or $297 for the entire year, you can come into the Breakthrough Community. We do monthly Zooms. Yes, monthly Zooms. It's wild. People from all over the world are there, including prophetic seminars and teachings that literally are banned on other platforms. All of it's waiting for you, including a private Facebook group with all of the other Breakthrough Community members. So again, go to MikeSignorelli.com or BreakthroughTeaching.com and become a monthly partner. I can't wait to see you there and I will see you in the next podcast episode.